0: Uh, It is um, a blessing to be able to be here with you this morning. And uh, we have a very special message this morning. Uh, It is entitled, Amazing Grace and the Loud Cry. Amazing Grace and the Loud Cry. And so I hope that you have your Bibles with you. Uh, We're going to be taking uh, a wonderful, magnificent trip through the Word of God this morning. And by God's grace, the message will challenge you to the very core of your understanding of your Christian walk with Christ. And so I want to ask that you would just bow your heads with me as we seek the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we need your grace this morning. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Make this message simple. And enable me, Lord, to bring this message across with clarity. May our hearts be touched. May we be moved as we open your word. Do something powerful this morning. And also, Lord, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross. And we thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Amazing grace and the loud cry. Want to ask you a question? Um, how many of you know what the second death is? Show of hands. Second death. Okay. Having an understanding of the second death, how many of you um, can think of any reason why you would want to suffer the second death? Anyone? No one willing to go to the second death. Just want to make sure. I'm not seeing any hands going up. Okay, can you think of anything that is worth missing out on heaven for? Anyone? Okay. Let me share with you. I want to give you a little bit of background before I begin uh, this particular message. My brother and I um, were martial artists, uh, I don't know, from the age of eight or nine growing up. And uh, we practiced and practiced. And when we became Christians, we. We laid that all aside because God was calling us into a new battle, uh, a new conflict. And that conflict was the conflict against our own carnal natures. You realize that that is the greatest battle that uh, we face. It is the battle against self. Amen? However, I want to share with you one particular uh, um, aspect of the martial arts. Uh, and this is really legend, but there's a particular art called Dim Mak. Anybody ever heard of that? Dim Mak. And what Dim Mak uh, represents or means is the death touch, the death touch. And the way that this supposedly worked was that a person, uh, a martial artist, could could hit his opponent. At a certain in a certain place in his body, at a certain time of the day, and if the hit was delivered just right, uh, that person may be injured uh, uh, initially injured but walk away feeling okay, but in a matter of days or sometimes weeks, the person would expire they would die. And so when the hit was delivered, the person was as good as Dead, though he was still living. And uh, as you look at this, really, uh, that's nothing but spiritualism uh, for a human being to supposedly have that kind of of power, uh, which a lot of the martial arts is based on spiritualism. But I, I learned the lesson in Christianity very early, and that is for every counterfeit, there is a genuine... And it is then that I began to realize that there was a death touch in the Bible. How many of you knew that? (laughs) Well, I want to share it with you this morning. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Listen to what the Bible says here. It says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This prophecy is speaking about Jesus Christ, the seed who was to come, who would ultimately bruise the head of the serpent while the serpent was to bruise his heel. They were to be in conflict and both of them were to deliver a blow to each other. Jesus' blow would be delivered where? To the Head of the serpent. And the serpent's blow would be delivered to the heel of the seed. So where was this accomplished? When did this happen? The answer is found in Luke chapter 23. Luke, the 23rd chapter. I'd like for you to notice with me Luke 23 and verse... 33. When you get there, please say amen. The Bible says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, on one, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Jesus was crucified or received his touch, his blow, where? On a hill called Calvary. Now, Uh, It's interesting as you look at this word Calvary, the place where Lucifer, where the serpent had delivered uh, this blow to Jesus and we're told the blow would not be a fatal one. It would only be to the heel. But this very place where Jesus received this wound, where the devil thought he had obtained the victory, in that very blow, in the very place where Jesus died, a place called Calvary, the word Calvary actually means cranium in the Greek. Sounds like our English word. Cranium. So then, Jesus, as, as that uh, uh, cross was being hammered down, as it were, into that skull-shaped hill, because that's why it was called Calvary. In fact, in Matthew 27 and verse 33, I believe it is, the Bible says Jesus was crucified in a place called Golgotha, meaning the place of the what? Skull. So the question is, whose skull-shaped hill did that symbolize? As Jesus' cross was being hammered down, whose skull, as it were, was being pierced by the very death of Christ? Satan. Somebody can say amen. In other words, beloved, it is as though Jesus delivered a death touch. In that very moment, through the death of Christ, he delivered a blow to Lucifer that though Lucifer is still alive, he is as good as dead. Death touch. It's amazing. The Bible says that when Jesus died, there was a great what? Earthquake. Remember that? So what happened to that skull-shaped hill when Jesus died? It broke. I like to put it this way that Lucifer's mind was blown. (laughs) That Jesus would die for sinners like you and I. That he would die for the very ones that put him to death. And so, beloved, at Calvary, we see demonstrated by the Grand Master Jesus Christ himself the death touch. I want you to realize that not only does the cross symbolize uh, 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 this blow to the mind of Lucifer, but, beloved, it is designated to also deliver to us a death touch. You see, our minds are also carnal, hard. You ever heard somebody say you're hard-headed? <laughs> carnal, hard, rocky, and, and, and the only way that we can be broken... The only way that we can truly come to repentance and come to to understand the amazing grace of Jesus Christ is to have our minds blown at the cross of Calvary. And so Jesus wants to deliver to us a what? A death touch. A death touch. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 18, because I want you to understand that when the death touch is delivered, though the person is alive, he's as good as what? As dead. And here's what I want to share with you this morning. This is going to be our theme, that the lower rain, the latter rain cannot fall unless God has a people who are as good as dead. As good as dead. Notice with me Revelation 18. Very good. As good as dead, dead to what everyone? To self. Notice with me Revelation 18, verse 1 and 2. Revelation chapter 18. Verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. We take these verses and we understand that they are a, a, a reference to what we call the outpouring of the latter rain when this angel descends it is to add its voice or its power to the three angels messages and this angel when it descends with two things glory and what power it will add those very two things to the three angels messages glory and power And it is this added glory and power that is going to bring multitudes and multitudes of people into God's remnant church. Amen? Amen. However, God's remnant church must first experience this self-same what? Glory and power. We cannot give what we do not have. We cannot give what we have not first experienced. And so God wants us, beloved, to experience this outpouring so that we can then go to the world and give it to them in practical, not only words, but also in practical demonstration. Amen? Amen. The question is, what is this outpouring? I want you to notice with me, Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12. We're going to take a look at verse 10. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I want you to notice what the Bible calls this outpouring. Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour. I will do what, everyone? Pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. Listen. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The outpouring of Revelation 18 is synonymous with this pouring out of Zechariah 12 verse 10. And we're told that this pouring out is a pouring out of the spirit of what? Grace. Grace. So God's church is to receive in the final days a special outpouring of the spirit of what everyone? Grace. Hence the title of our message. Amazing grace and the loud cry. Makes sense so far? Makes sense so far? Very good. Amazing grace and the loud cry. In fact, let me read a few quotes to you. Acts Acts of the Apostles, page 55. Listen to how the spirit of prophecy likens the outpouring of the Spirit of God, the latter rain, to grace. Listen. But near the close of earth's harvest, a special bestowal of spiritual grace is promised to prepare the church for the coming of the Son of Man. Here's another one, Faith I Live By, page 334. We must seek his favors with the whole heart if the showers of... Good, you got it. If you see me do this in the next couple of quotes, all you just, you say, great. Just expect, okay? We must seek his face with the whole heart if the showers of? Are to come to us. Very good. Uh, Testimonies to ministers, page 508. Let us with contrite hearts pray most earnestly that now, in the time of the latter rain, the showers of? May fall upon us. Bible Commentary, Volume 7, 984. We must not wait for the latter rain. It is coming upon all who will recognize and appropriate the dew dew and showers of? That fall upon us. The whole earth is to be filled with the glory of God. You see, beloved, the final outpouring of the Spirit of God is an outpouring of grace. Grace. But not just any kind of grace. What kind of grace? Amazing grace. So the question then becomes, what is grace? What is grace? We know the term, we hear it often, grace is a favorable act. Undeserved favor. Well, the question is, Where was this grace demonstrated? What was the undeserved favor? Can anyone tell me? What was the undeserved favor that we as humanity got? Calvary. The death of Christ. You see that? Everything is pointing us right back to where? To the cross of Christ, the place where the death touch is delivered. Why? I believe that God needs a dead people. I don't know if you caught that. God needs a dead people in order to pour out his spirit. And so this this outpouring is a pointing back. In fact, Mind Character Personality, Volume 1, page 249. Listen to how Ellen White describes amazing grace. Listen. Listen. God might have sent his son into the world to condemn the world, but amazing grace, Christ came to save, not to destroy. What was amazing grace according to to Ellen White? Christ came to what? To save. Christ came to save. And where did he save? He saved at the what? At the cross. Notice with me Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. The Bible says here, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. The Bible here tells us in verse 24 that we are justified or made what? Made righteous with Christ because of His what? His grace. So look at this. He saved us by grace. We are justified by grace. And to be justified really means to be what? It means to be. How can any of us be justified? Unless we have first been forgiven. Forgiven. Amen? You can't justify someone who's not forgiven. So to be justified is synonymous with being Forgiven. So then let's put it all together. Amazing grace is that Jesus Christ came to save us, and is that He what? He forgave us. That's amazing grace. You say, Pastor, well, what does that have to do with the loud cry? Hold on, please. It's coming. Jesus saves us, He forgives us. In fact, John 3:16, for God so what? Loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So there's something then special about this forgiveness, also known as grace, that is important for God's people to understand so that their minds may be blown, so that they will receive the death touch, so that God can have a dead people ready to receive the outpouring of his grace. And to take that very same outpouring to the world. Amen? Amen? I want you to notice with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. You'll remember that this angel in Revelation 18 descends with two things. What are those two things? Glory and power. 1 Corinthians 1.18 What is that glory and power? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 Listen to what the Bible tells us 1 Corinthians 1 18 The Bible tells us here For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the What? Power of God. What is the power of God, everyone? The power of God is the what? Is the cross. Therefore, when this angel descends with power to add to the three angels' messages, what is it descending with? It is descending with a message of the cross. And you say, Pastor, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, we already understand the cross. As seven-day Adventists, our message is the Sabbath. Our message is the law of God. We got the three angels' messages. Yeah, everybody else out there, yeah, they're preaching the cross, but we can't preach what they're preaching. We've got to preach the three angels' messages. Let me share something with you, beloved. What the world understands, what the other churches understand as the cross is not the cross. That sounds shocking, but tonight's message, you will understand how important the cross is to the three angels' messages. And why, without making the three angels' messages cross-centered, the three angels' messages cannot have the power that they need to have to bring people into this church by the thousands. So tonight we're going to learn how to build how to go out and share our message in a cross-centered manner but we're going to get back to the message at hand notice with me Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 not only is the cross the power but in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 we are told this but God forbid that I should glory save in what The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, the cross is both the power and the glory that is to be added to the three angels' messages. Does that make sense so far? Now let me ask you a question. How many of you love one another? Raise your hand if you, if you love more than four people in this church. Raise your hand if you love the person sitting next to you. <laughs> You're like, I better raise my hand. I know I don't know you, but that'll be rude. <laughs> okay, I'm going to come back to that question in a minute, in a moment. Councils to teachers, page 532. The message of the renewing power of God's grace will be carried to every country and clime until the truth shall belt the world. The message of the renewing power of God's what, everyone? Grace. Remember, if we don't understand grace, then we cannot take that message of grace to where? To the world. So God is calling us to understand this message of grace. There's a reason why the three angels cannot go forth in power because God's people apparently are missing something about the cross. They are missing something about grace. They must in some way or another be, be just you know, skimming over that message and focusing on, on what they think are the crucial things. And the angel comes saying, guys, guys, remember the cross? I I know what you're preaching, but don't forget to leave out, or don't forget, rather, the the cross. Don't forget the grace of Christ. Don't forget. Because this is what's going to add power to the message. How many of you would like to see power added to our message? Where you just go out and preach and you got thousands of people just going, okay, where do I sign up? Oh, for that day, beloved, that day is on the verge of coming. Listen. Listen. Review and Herald, October 6th, 1896. Ellen White says this, When the latter rain is poured out, the church will be clothed with power for its work. But the church as a whole will never receive this until its members shall put away from among them envy, evil surmising, and evil speaking. Those who cherish these sins know not the blessed experience of love they are not awakened to the fact that the Lord is testing and proving their love for him by the attitude they assume toward one another. The attitude we assume one to another. Remember, for God so what, everyone? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is demonstrated in its fullness at the cross. How is it demonstrated? That love is demonstrated in the fact that Jesus... For gave us amazing what amazing grace so now we're being told that we are being tested by our love for one another God is trying to see are we really ready to receive the outpouring of the latter rain because if we don't love one another how in the world is God going to pour out his spirit upon us amen How do we love one another? The same way that God loved us. And how did he love us? He, he gave. He gave his son, and his son gave us. So let me, let me bring this together here. The way that I demonstrate my love for somebody else is in my ability, in Christ, of course, to forgive. You know why God can't pour out His Holy Spirit on the church right now? Because we're holding too many grudges against too many other people in the church. In fact, notice with me Colossians 3 and verse 13. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible tells us here, forbearing one another... And forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In other words, we're told that as Christ forgave us, we ought to be what? Forgiving one another. That amazing grace that we received at Calvary, if we truly received it, we will give that same amazing grace... You get that? We will give it to others. So let's take a look then. where to forgive in the same way that Christ what? Forgave. We're going to be talking about amazing grace this morning. And I want to share with you, beloved, grace can't just be regular if it's amazing. Right? I don't know if you caught that. If it's amazing, it cannot be regular. <laughs> Listen, what is this amazing grace? Isaiah 53, how did Jesus forgive us? Because in the same way that he forgave us, we must forgive others. So Isaiah 53 verse 5 is going to open us something incredible for us. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. Isaiah 53 verse 3, the Bible says here, He is despised and rejected, a man of What? sorrows and acquainted with grief now let me ask you a question why was Jesus a man of sorrows was he like man I have to die one day man man they just keep picking on me man why was he a man of sorrows All right, he came to his own, his own received him not. That was part of it. That, that is it, but I want to even make it a little bit more crystal clear so you can see exactly why he, his own received him not. What did that mean for his own? If they received him not, what was going to happen to them? They were going to be lost, second death. Jesus was a man of sorrows, not of, for his own sorrows, but he was a man of sorrows because he took our sorrows upon Himself, And the Bible says we looked at him like, man, what's the matter with him? You know, we hid as it were our faces. Look at what it says in verse 5, verse 4. Surely he has borne whose griefs? Our griefs and carried our sorrows. Listen, the word born means to lift. It means to carry, to bear up, to forgive. To what? Forgive. So when the Bible says he bore our griefs and our sorrows, the, the word actually also indicates that this is how Jesus forgave us. He took our sins upon himself and treated them as though they were his own. That's what forgiveness is. So now, When God calls us, by the way, was that amazing? Was it amazing that God actually took our sins which were not his and and took them upon himself and so identified with these sins as that at at his very death he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Beloved, listen to me. That's amazing. Jesus says, that's how I forgave you. Now I want you to forgive others just like that. I want you to take that person who has done wrong against you and take that person's sins as though they were your own. And then take it to the Father and say, Father, please forgive Now, how many of you are willing to do that? (laughs) How many of us are willing to take the person that wronged us, take that person's sin against us, and go to God in prayer, asking for the forgiveness of that person as though it were our own sin? That's some love. That is some serious love. In fact, it's amazing as we think of uh, Moses... Do you remember when Moses, uh, the children of Israel, had rebelled against God, and Moses now says, I have to go up to the mountaintop to make supplication for you? How many of you remember that story? And Moses goes up, and Moses loves his people so much. Moses what? Loves his people so much that as he's up there praying, he comes up with an idea. God I know I got a plan you see those people down there that hate me and also are rebelling against you the people that can't stand my leadership I have a plan why don't we let's make an agreement let's act like it was my sin you know that's what Moses was initially saying you remember he said, uh, 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 let their sins fall upon me. That was his plea to God, beloved. Now, now, now it's amazing. It's what? Amazing. amazing. That Moses could offer himself in that way for a people who were rebelling not only against God but against him. Moses was willing to take their sins as his own. Jesus says, that's amazing grace. This is the grace I want you to begin to exercise to one another. Because when you begin to exercise that towards one another, it is a it is a a, an evidence that you are now acting, reflecting the character, the glory. What does glory mean, everyone? What does glory mean? What does glory symbolize? It symbolizes character. Remember when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory? And God said, okay, I'm going to show you my glory. And he passed by Moses and he declared his what? His name or his character. The glory is synonymous with the character. And beloved, when we can forgive someone like that, we are beginning to demonstrate the character of Jesus. Amazing grace you see that's why Jesus could pray father forgive them you know what he did he said father here's what I want to do I'm going to take their sins upon me because they don't know what they're doing so I will take the loss you know what that's that, you know that's what forgiveness is forgiveness is you saying I'll take the loss because what do we like to do how many of you like justice I demand justice, and if you don't tell me you're sorry, I'm going to make you pay. Not until you fall down in worship, I mean, ask for forgiveness. (laughs) Will I forgive you? I'm going to make you pay because I demand justice. Forgiveness is saying I am willing to forego justice and extend mercy. And let me tell you something. If you demand justice You're in a dangerous place Because what you demand of others God will demand of you Now how many of you think You will be saved by God's justice (laughs) Nope We will be saved Not by his justice We will be saved by his The wicked will be lost because of God's justice. The righteous will be saved because of God's grace, God's mercy. So when we demand justice, I'm not talking to so and so, and that's the way I'm going to make them pay. Since they're not going to come and pay me, for, forget or pay me by asking for for my asking, uh, you know, saying I'm sorry. I'm going to make them pay this way. Justice will be served. We set ourselves up, beloved. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 15, If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father in heaven, what? Forgive Forgive you. This is the amazing grace that God demands us to have, that God says this is what we must have as a people. In fact, in Matthew 5, in verse 43, notice with me Matthew 5, verse 43, where Jesus begins to talk about Perfection. Matthew 5 in verse 43, the Bible says here, uh, um, You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy enemy and hate thy, or love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Don't, don't even the publicans do the same? God says, listen, it's no big deal if you love somebody that loves you back. That's no big deal. Even the publicans do that. I'm calling you to love, to forgive those who don't deserve your forgiveness. And notice what he says. So that you may be the children of your... Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say in verse 47 And if you salute your brethren, which what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore what? Perfect. What is perfection? It is the demonstration of the character of God, which is most revealed in his willingness. In his amazing grace. It is saying while I am innocent, I will take the fall. You know what we do? And just imagine, sometimes I, you know, we say, man, I I am so thankful that there's a lake of fire. I am so thankful. God, when when he's in that lake, don't forget the stuff he did to me back in the... Make sure he pays for that too. (laughs) That's kind of our attitude sometimes. All right, I'm leaving you alone. God will take care of you in the fire. No, no, no. Instead, beloved, we should be praying, look, if he's going to the fire, don't let it be on account of what he did to me. Take my part out. Just forgive him for mine. I don't want, just just don't let him go there on account of me. Beloved, that is amazing grace. That's when we can begin to demonstrate and experience the love of God that is to lighten the whole world with its glory. That, beloved, is amazing grace. John 15 and verse 13. It goes a little bit deeper than that though. John chapter 15 and verse 13. The Bible tells us. John 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his what? Friends. What does it mean to lay down your life? It means to die, doesn't it? It means to die. It means to be selfless. Do you realize that sin always demands a sacrifice? So listen, someone does something wrong. Immediately a sacrifice is demanded. Now the question is this. Brother A has done something wrong to brother B. Brother B knows that a sacrifice is demanded. Brother B Wants the sacrifice to be brother A. You, you understand what I'm saying? But, but amazing grace, brother B will say, I will lay down my life. I will be the sacrifice. I will be the one to suffer on behalf of this. I will be the one to, to, to pay the penalty. I will, uh, I will allow self to die rather than demand Justice. Greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for his friend. Remember Jesus laid down his life for his friends? Remember that? And who were his friends? His enemies. His enemies. When we can begin, beloved, to because remember, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were all of what? <coughs> One accord. They had a perfect love for one another. God cannot pour out his spirit on his church until we have a perfect love one for another. Now, how many of you love the person sitting next to you on your right side? How many of you love the person sitting next to you on your left side? Yeah, you guys are just raising your hands like I just better raise my hand. (laughs) This is a serious question, beloved, because true love calls for us to lay our lives, what? Down. For another. I want you to notice with me Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. This is powerful. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. The Bible tells us here. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, the word for burden is the word wait. Weight. weight. You know what that means? How many of you remember in Hebrews where it talks about, let us lay aside the What? The weight that does so easily beset us? What, what is that weight symbolic of? Sin. So notice what the scripture is telling us here in Galatians 1 and 2. It says, Bear one another's sins. In other words, don't demand our forgiveness of one another's. Rather, you be the one to do just like Jesus did and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Wow. Bear one another's burdens. It is a desire so much to see your fellow brother or sister saved that you will say, Lord, don't count what they have done against me. Remember Stephen? Remember when Stephen was being stoned? What was his closing prayer? Whatever happens, if they're gonna be lost, don't let it be. Just pretend that this thing never happened. Wow. That, beloved, is amazing grace. Can you imagine if God's church had this kind of amazing grace? How God would be ready. To send us out into the world, because now we would not only have a message with our lips, which we've had for, I don't know, 150 something years, we would also have a practical demonstration to go with the message. See, that's why the message does not have power and glory now. I don't know if you caught it. It's one thing to talk, it's another thing to demonstrate. So for years we've been preaching the three angels' messages, the Sabbath, uh, uh, 1844, the investigative judgment, hellfire, and all these truths, but the truths are without power and glory because we are not manifesting the character of God in our love for one another. That's why the message has no power and glory. It's truth, 100% truth. But an angel, God has to send an angel to say, you guys have forgotten The cross. You have forgotten the practical demonstration of grace given to us by Christ Jesus. So how many of you love each other? How many of you are willing to take that sin that someone else in this church or some other church somewhere has done to you and is right now willing to say, okay, Father, forget about it. Just pretend that that one never even happened. I will be the sacrifice for that. But listen, beloved, amazing grace goes even deeper than that. <laughs> because remember Jesus said uh, that we must be willing to lay down our life. How many of you are willing to take a bullet for the person sitting to your right? I could go with the other stuff, but not that one. (laughs) How many of you are willing to take a bullet for the person sitting to your left? (laughs) Man, guys, don't be offended at each other, okay? (laughs) You're like, you better raise your hand. (laughs) Listen, beloved. The Bible tells that we should love one another as Jesus what? Loved us. And how did he love us? He gave himself for us. He died for us. So, beloved, what it's actually telling us is that God's people must get to the place where we are willing to actually physically die. What? Physically die to save the life of any given person in this church. Not just the person on your right. Or the person on your left. But any given person in this church. That's what love is. That is what love is. Now how many of you love everybody in this church? Okay, yeah, be honest. (laughs) I guess I need some grace, huh? (laughs) I guess I need amazing grace. You see, beloved, there's a reason. You got to understand, the early church, they were willing, literally, willing to die to die not only spiritually die but to die for one another here if i don't know you i mean yeah i'll die for my for my children I'll die for my husband, I'll die for my wife, I'll die for my parents or my real close friend, but I don't know the guy sitting over there, so why would I die for him? Oh yeah, I love you, but I won't die for you. You see, beloved, we are in some serious need of amazing grace. That's why the, the message cannot go forth with power. Because we're not willing to die. But beloved, amazing grace goes even deeper and further than that. See, our love is not potent enough yet. And here is where the challenge comes. Listen, I want to read from you Desire of Ages, page 690. Ellen White says this of Christ's uh, final moments in the Garden of Gethsemane. She says this. Three times he has uttered that prayer. Three times has humanity shrunk from the last crowning sacrifice. But now the history of the human race comes up before the world's redeemer. He sees the transgressors of the law, if left to themselves, must perish. He sees the helplessness of man. He sees the power of sin. The woes and lamentations of a doomed world rise before him. He beholds its impending fate and his decision is made. He He will save man at any cost to himself. What did that any cost include? By the way, before we even go there, that any cost to himself, we might sum it up in two words, amazing grace. Amazing grace is the willingness to save another at any cost to yourself. What cost was Jesus willing to pay to save us? Not only was he willing to die the first death, he was willing to die the second death. Now that is amazing. Jesus was willing to suffer eternal separation if need be, meanwhile knowing that many would not respond to that sacrifice. And yet he was willing to pay it. Do you remember what Moses prayed in Exodus 32? Moses was praying to experience the second death. Remember when I asked you at the beginning of this message, can any of you think of anything that you would uh, suffer the second death for? Can any of you think of any reason why you would miss out on heaven? And you know what all of you, none of you raised your hands. Why? Why? Because the primary thing for us by nature is to save ourselves. Ah! I want to get to heaven at any cost. That was not Jesus' mode of operation. In fact, we are told that Jesus did not count heaven a place to be while we were what? lost in our sins so Jesus primary goal was not to go to heaven did you hear that his primary goal was not to go to heaven his primary goal was to fulfill the will of the father and to save others at any cost to himself moses Blot me out. The term, blot me out, is a reference to the book of life. Blot me out. Moses was willing to suffer the second death that Israel might be saved. And he prayed that prayer earnestly. Did God answer that prayer of Moses? Did he? Will Moses be blotted out? No, 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 no. The fact is, in praying that prayer... Moses manifested the character of Jesus Christ. Beloved, are you willing to suffer the second death for your friends? Are you willing to forsake your place in heaven that your friend might be saved? Now, who are we talking about, your friend? Your enemy. So let me make this real practical for you. Picture in your mind the person that you like the least. Now, I know most of you don't have that person in you know, like I love everyone. But let's just say that there was someone that you liked that you just did not like. Picture that person. And now ask yourself, would I be willing in order to have that person saved? Would I be willing? to miss out on heaven itself to save that person. That is amazing grace. That is the kind of love that God needs for his people to have. And that kind of love can only come when a death touch has been delivered. You you understand what I'm saying now? You see beloved when we look at the cross of Calvary and see just what it is that Jesus was willing to go through for us how can we seeing how he has forgiven us and the length to which he has forgiven us how can we hold anything against anyone and call ourselves Christian how can how dare we that is audacity how dare we Why is God's church unprepared? I want you to notice Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Now you'll begin to see these verses in their proper context. Matthew 16, verse 24. Listen to what the Bible tells us here. Hmm, this is good. 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now look at this, for whosoever will save his life, will what? Lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, We'll find it. Do you realize that heaven will be filled with people who were willing to miss out on it for the sake of somebody else? Ah. Have mercy. You see, beloved, the death touch is what we need. That's what we're in need of. Paul experiences death touch, because remember Paul said in Galatians 2:20, "I die, what? Daily, I die daily." You see, beloved, here's a problem. As God's people, we are afraid to die. Isn't that what Hebrews 2 tells us? It tells us that through fear of death, they were all their lifetime subject to bondage? We're afraid to die. And God cannot work with us ultimately until the fear of death is perfectly abolished. Because the Bible says perfect love casts out what? Fear. And let me tell you, the most dangerous criminal is the one who is not afraid to die. The same is true with the Christian. The most fearful Christian in all, to, all, to the devil and all his hosts is a Christian that is not afraid to die. First death, second death. He says, Lord, I'm going to follow your will no matter what. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 6, it says, he that is dead is freed from sin. Why? Because, beloved, when you, when you are at the port- place where you're saying, I don't need, first death, second death, I don't care what, I'm going to serve God. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. My goal is not to get to heaven as much as it is to fulfill the will of God. And whether I get to heaven or not, I'll leave that with God. But God has called me to witness. God has called me to live righteous and to live holy. And I will do that even if it kills me. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Beloved, God's people are in need of a death touch. And my appeal is simple this morning. This morning you're saying to yourself, Father, I need to die. I need to experience that death touch. Blow my mind, Lord. Break this hard, rocky, carnal mind of mine and grant me amazing grace. And let me tell you, when the grace of God becomes a reality in your life, when we as a church understand and experience this amazing grace, then Neither not only will we no longer uh, be subject to the fear of death, but we will no longer be subject to the fear of witnessing. Come on, we're afraid to witness. We're afraid to share our faith. Beloved, when we master the fear of death, there is nothing that can cause us to be afraid anymore. And the most dangerous church to Satan is a church that is no longer subject to the bondage of death. You want to experience a death touch. That's your desire. Lord, I want to experience a death touch. And I want to experience it daily. Grant me your grace. Grant me that death touch. That's your desire. Just raise your hands. Heavenly Father, we are in need of your grace, your amazing grace. Lord, many of us have been subject all our life to the fear of death. But Lord, we have seen today that the cross is that place where we might be touched with death. Father, we have been having too many near-death experiences. No, Lord, help us to die fully, not nearly. Help us to experience that ultimate death to self, that Christ may live in us, that we may go forth to this world not only with a message, but with a demonstration that we're willing to lay our lives down for our brethren and even for our enemies. Grant us this grace, Lord, this amazing grace, that we may take the loud cry to all the world and that the world will be filled with your glory and power. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Help us to be more and more like Jesus. On the cross, his enemies mockingly taunted. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Help us to learn that truth, Lord. We're not here to save ourselves. That is up to you but help us to help save others. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com or you can call us at area code 805-226-8080 that's 805-226-8080 thank you and God bless